a six-year-old boy in Victory Christian School, and he'd gotten in trouble in school. Apparently, the school had called home, and I don't know, he was in first grade or, or whatever. And uh, the father had gotten the report from the mom, and, and the father had decided that uh, needed to use a little corporal punishment. You never discipline a child when you're angry. If you're angry, get away from that child. That child doesn't need you. Uh, your child, is, he needs to be disciplined, or she, they need to be disciplined by the Holy Spirit and uh, through you. But uh, over there, we believed in, in, in the rod of correction and uh, used at the leading of the Holy Spirit. So the father got the rod of correction out, went into the little boy and explained to him what was going on and said to him that, uh, that uh, he was going to have to discipline him. And the little boy who had been trained in his authority of the believer and trained in uh, really the abundant life at Victory Christian School, looked at his dad and said, no weapon formed against me will prosper. <laughs> I'm sure I've shared that before, but it was cute. I don't know if the weapon was ever used or not. It wasn't really a weapon. It was the rod of correction to tell a child that this is not the way that you should be going. But we're glad to see all of you. Let's see the hands of the first-time visitors again. Can we see your hands? One, two, three, four, five, maybe six. Let's give them a warm welcome. We are glad that you're here. We're here every Sunday at 9, 11 o'clock, midweek service, 6.30. If you have children, get your children in here for the children's services, for the youth services. Have a great time. Greatest thing you can do for your children is to make sure they are in a position where they can be led by the Holy Spirit. Sporting activities and everything else are fine and school activities, but the most important thing you as a parent can do is make sure your child knows how to be led by the Holy Spirit. If you have your Bible, turn to the book of John chapter 10, that's where we're going to be reading, and Dan was into it in the first service, and we're going to be into it this service, talking about having the abundant life. And sometimes I feel, and most of you have heard this story that I've shared before, but when I first got saved, I didn't understand all this stuff. I'd look in the Bible and try to find a scripture, and first scripture that seemed to pop out to me was John 14, 14. You ask anything in my name, I will do it. Well, I got a lot of things to ask, God. I want to get out of debt tomorrow. I want a Lincoln Continental. I gave God my laundry list of all the things I wanted, but it didn't really work that way. God wasn't looking to serve me. God was looking for me to serve Him. I know this probably sounds silly for me to say, but at that time, that's where I was. I thought I had found a God who had a big bank, and I knew that I had a big list for my God. But really, everything that God tells us, He is giving us to live in the realm of the Spirit. In other words, we enter out, uh, we exit the flesh and we enter into the realm of the Spirit so that everything that we do then is based on the leading of the Holy Spirit. And in John chapter 10, it says that the thief, the devil, comes to kill, steal, and to destroy. How many of you found that's true? He comes to kill, steal, and to destroy, but, but Jesus said, I've come to give life and give it more abundantly. If you look at the word abundantly, and, and we get more abundantly, the word means Superabundance, excessive, overflowing, surplus, over and above. This would be a good time to shout and clap at the end, okay? You can, you can clap anytime you want, but super, this is what we have. Everybody say, this is what I have. Hey, honey, I do see the clock. I did not see the clock in the first service. I like it. I like it. 42, 45, 46, 47, 40. <laughs> 
it ticks right off. Those are seconds. Okay. I was just looking for the rounding off, but that's all right. (laughs) Picky, picky, picky. Super abundance, excessive, overflowing, surplus, over and above, more than enough, profuse, extraordinary, above the ordinary, more than sufficient. Yeah, let's give the Lord a hand. That's what Jesus came. And if you ever studied John chapter 10, the entire scripture there, he's saying, look, this is what I came to give you guys, and I want you to have all of it. That belongs to you, and that belongs to me. But we have to get out of the realm of the flesh and of self and into the realm of the spirit to experience all those things. And, and Pam, it, I, this is not my Bible, but I just happened to open your Bible, and I saw something in there that was really good. Pam has a newer Bible than me. It's in John chapter 10. Oh, it's over here. It says, God's plan from the beginning was for man to be enriched and to have a prosperous, abundant life. And here Jesus declares his intention to recover and restore to man what was the Father's intent and to break the block that the devil, that the devil's intent to hinder our... That didn't sound right. To restore to man what was the devil's in the father's intent. This is not my Bible, so cut me a little slack. (laughs) Here, Jesus declares his intention to recover and restore to man what was the father's intent and to break and to block the devil's intent to hinder our receiving it. Can you say amen to that? In other words, we have been given the abundant life to block the devil, to inherit every promise God had for us, and to walk in the realm of the Spirit. So what we've got to do is to get out of that realm of the flesh and get into the realm of the Spirit. Can you say amen to that? Now, what we have to do is to determine how that's going to happen and how we're going to walk in the realm of the of the spirit and not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. And we're going to look at Galatians chapter 5 because it's such a powerful scripture. You are no different than I am. You are spirit. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have a spirit that's alive. You have the, the mind that is alive, spirit, soul, your mind, and your body are your flesh. Now, your flesh is no good. Your flesh gets you in a lot of trouble. Can I see the hands of all the people that are willing to admit that your flesh gets you in a lot of trouble? We blame a great deal on the devil that is really our own fault because of our flesh. You may not be tempted in some areas of your flesh like I'm tempted, but I may not be tempted in some areas of my flesh like you're tempted. Does that make sense to all of you? Before I was saved, I like to drink beer and eat popcorn. Once I got saved, I enjoyed drinking beer and eating popcorn. I would read my Bible as long as I could see it clearly. Three or four beers was usually unclear to me, and I was ready to take a nap or do whatever and eat my popcorn. I found out during the course of being saved by the Holy Spirit. Everybody say Holy Spirit. That's our lead, that's our guide. That the Holy Spirit spoke to me one night and said, I want you to stop, uh, or asked me, said, would you stop drinking beer for me? I want you to stop drinking beer. At that time, and hopefully today too, I wanted to be pleasing to God. 
I wanted to do what God wanted me to do. So I remember saying, yeah, God, I'll, I'll stop drinking beer. And, and I did. I, I, I stopped it. And I remember sharing that years and years ago in a service, whether here or out in Tulsa, I don't know where. This lady came up to me after the service, and she said, I bet you're glad you got delivered from that awful tasting stuff. I said, honey, I never thought that was awful tasting. <laughs> never once thought it was awful tasting. I stopped because God told me to. Now the doctors tell me I can't eat popcorn. Glory to God. I tell you what, this is a tough world being a pastor. <laughs> no beer, no popcorn. Now, I'm just kidding for all of you visitors that are here, okay? But, uh, but what happens is we've got to get to the point when we understand that there are some things that are not good for us, and God will show us what they are. You have a flesh that is basically no good. It wars against you all the time. Your flesh wants to kill you. That's why I believe God cannot take our flesh to heaven. That's why we leave this earthly tent, because it is sin-ridden. It will drive you to destruction if you will let it. But the good news is, everybody say good news. We have the abundant life. So let's say, I have the abundant life. So how do we take the abundant life, which is given to us in the realm of the Spirit, and how do we apply it to our day-to-day actions? Well, in Galatians chapter 5, it tells us how to do this. I'll tell a story real quickly because I love to tell this story. We were in, uh, because I, I told you that I don't drink beer. And, and I don't drink beer any longer. Now, if you're here and you drink beer, that's between you and God, okay? But God told me not to drink beer. And Pam and I were in, in was it last summer? Yes. La- last summer. It was a rainy, rainy day. You've heard the story before about my temptations down there in in Tulsa on a rainy day, or on a hot day, not on a rainy day. But this was a rainy day, and we had to wait to get a table. It doesn't matter whether it rains or what it does in Tulsa, I mean in Florida. We're eating on the beach, and uh, we may wait for the rain to stop, but we're standing there waiting for a table under a palm tree where the rain's not coming down. It was under a little shelter. And I said, do you have money for a tip? And she said, uh, no, I don't. And I said, well, I better get some change. So I walked up to the bar to get some change. And the guy said, you want a beer? And I said, no. And he had a draft beer right there. And he slid across to me and said, got a draft beer right here. Well, what can you do? You know, <laughs> you all weren't there. So, so, so I, I took this draft beer. So I got this draft beer. And I got my change, which, which I wanted. So I come back over where Pam was waiting for the table. And by then, she'd gotten the table. And she sat down. And I showed up with a draft beer. And she said, what's that? And I said, it's a draft beer. And she said, why do, you, why do you have a draft beer? I said, he wouldn't give you change unless you bought a beer. And uh, <laughs> she, said, she said, really? And I said, yeah. So I, I, I sat at the table, and, uh, and I drank the beer. I, I really did drink the beer. And uh, I've since repented before the Lord and my wife. And uh, she said, what are you doing? I said, drinking the beer. And she said, why? And I said, because he said you had to drink the beer. And (laughs) she looked at me with this quizzical look, like, I don't know if I really believe that or not. But then we're somewhere not too long after that, and she was talking about that experience down there. She said, we're at this bar or this restaurant out on the beach, and, and Bill shows up with a draft beer because they won't give you change unless you buy a beer. And then I realized she really believed me. <laughs> and I had to confess and come clean that this is, it really was an air of judgment on my part. I really did. Now, I sell that because it sounds kind of silly right now. But if you do something that you know you shouldn't do, it's a slippery slope. It's a very slippery slope to do the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And I have repented before God for doing that. It was wrong. I did it. And I enjoyed it. (laughs) 
But then I realized I had to repent because that is not enjoyable. Because if you're doing something God tells you to do. But sin has pleasure for a moment. And I believe there are people in the body of Christ that are doing things they know they shouldn't do, but they're doing them anyway. And they're looking for God to rescue them. They're trying to rebuke the devil, but the devil has been defeated and God has already rescued you. So turn to your neighbor and tell him, you got everything you need. Not turn back to him and ask him, why are you like you are then? <laughs> no, you don't, you, don't, you don't have to do that. You don't, you don't have to do that. But Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 says this. I say then, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So what do we have to do? We have to move into the realm of the spirit following the leading of God the speaking and the receiving of what the Holy Spirit has shown us, and we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Sometimes people are waiting for God to tell them what to do and to deliver them from a situation they're already delivered from. God tells you what he wants you to know because he loves you. And once he tells you what to do, he's not going to continue to tell you over and over and over and over again. Once he knows you know, I believe in my life, he's done speaking. He's told me. And he's not going to let me go where he wants me to go until I get that part taken care of. You all getting this? Turn your neighbor and say, I get this. In other words, you've got everything you need to know. So you enter into the realm of the spirit so you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It goes on to say in verse number 17, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish to do. How many of you have found that there are things you know you shouldn't do and you turn right around and do them? And what happens is you have the victory in that area of your life. You just have to know how to handle your flesh. Years and years ago, and I'm sure I've told this story before, we were doing a crusade out at Green Acres. That's all those buildings have been tore down now and beautiful new homes out there. And we were doing this crusade out at Green Acres and we had some, a crew that went out there early. And, and I was going out to see how they were doing and as I pulled onto the lot, this one guy who was with the church who was coming out in his truck, he'd been out there doing some work and he had a cigarette hanging out his mouth. And uh, he, he saw me as he turned a corner, almost wrecked his truck, tried to get rid of the cigarette and drive at the same time, threw it out the window, and I just went on by. And later on, he saw me. And he came up to me and said, oh, Pastor, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I know I shouldn't be smoking that cigarette. I'm so sorry, I don't, I don't mean to smoke. And I said, I don't care if you smoke. And he said, you don't? I said, no, I don't care if you smoke. If you feel like you need to smoke, you know, go ahead and smoke. But has the Holy Spirit spoken to you? Yes. What did the Holy Spirit say? He told me not to smoke you got a problem. Your problem's not with me. Your problem's with the Holy Spirit. And the reason the Holy Spirit showed you that was because he knew what was best for you so that he could take you from glory to glory. And t- I don't think I said all that to him at the time. But in other words, he knew what you need. And, and I'm saying that to you. He knows where he wants to take you. So if you have areas in your life right now that you're holding on to, contrary to what he wants you to do, then he can't take you where he wants to take you because he knows the temptation you're going to face in your flesh. You all get that? Say amen if you got it. 
I believe, and I'm not saying we have arrived, we have not, but I believe that God would never have taken Pam and I where he wanted to take us, out to Tulsa, back to Lafayette, and all the things he's done in our life, if I hadn't stopped drinking beer. I believe he'd left me right there and said, you're not ready to go where I want you to go. And I believe every one of us, as we continue to go from glory to glory with the Lord, have things in our life that God's going to show us that he wants us to stop doing. Now, I don't want you to go out of here and tell everybody that's drinking beer, hey, you, you know, you shouldn't be drinking beer, you're in trouble with God. I don't mean that at all, but when the Holy Spirit shows up, you better listen. Turn to your neighbor and say, when the Holy Spirit shows up, you better listen. And, and, and what happens then is that God has this master plan set for us. He's got everything in motion for us, and then we don't listen to what He's called us to do. How many of you believe, or maybe you hope, that God has a whole lot more in store for you than what you're experiencing right now? I guarantee you He does. Because if you're not fulfilled, and you don't have passion for what you're doing, that means God's getting ready to lead you there and show you that so that you can pursue it and you will do awesome with it when you're running that race that he has before you. But what happens is many times we have these things in our life that haven't been dealt with. And I want to share with you a story. It's, it's, it's in 1 Samuel chapter uh, 13. Is that, the, is that the scripture? I'm not sure I give you the wrong. 1 Samuel no, 2 Samuel chapter 11. It's the story of probably one of the greatest leaders who ever lived. Two of my favorites in the entire Bible, other than Jesus, of course, uh, would, would be Joshua and King David. Now, Joshua was an understudy, so Joshua had a lot of leadership uh, training. David was basically a shepherd boy. He didn't have a lot of training. But he loved God and was described in Scripture as a man after God's own heart. And battle after battle, David was victorious. David was wonderful with his people. Things went well under David's rulership and leadership. And he was a good king. But in 2 Samuel chapter 11, it's the story of David when it, it, it's described as a time when kings go out to war. David didn't go. We're not sure what all that teaching is. I've heard a lot of people teach it different ways. It seems like David should have gone to battle with his people. That's what the common consensus is. Why did he stay behind? Well, for whatever reason, he didn't go out to battle. But that maybe didn't qualify or disqualify him as being a leader, but he didn't go out to battle. But one night he couldn't sleep, and he looked out of his balcony and he saw Bathsheba getting ready to take a bath. And the rest of the story is that he began to lust after Bathsheba and sent for her and she conceived a child. And he ended up killing Uriah, her husband. And in the process of killing him and arranging for his death, other people in David's army were killed also because of David. In one moment's notice, one thought that David had and he lost all of his integrity. And he lost, I'm sure, a lot of respect from his people that found out what he did. And when Nathan finally came and delivered the word of the Lord for him. You are one thought away from entering into the flesh. You are one thought away from going down that slippery slope of the sight, the thought, and the action. 
and it will take you out of the realm of the Spirit in a moment's notice. When you read Galatians chapter 5, and it's a scripture familiar with many of us, talking about the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit, and how the two operate, and that when the works of the flesh are there, the anger, the hostility, the jealous, the selfishness, all those kind of things, it pulls you right out of the Spirit in a moment's notice. And then what it does, it opens the door to the devil to flood in. And if you ever study Galatians chapter 5, the first part of it, when it's talking about the works of the flesh, really is bringing into it James 3.16, where there is self-seeking, people that want to get into their own self and their own flesh and their own way, then they will open the door to confusion and every evil work. David was not a man that he would have committed murder against his own leaders. David was not that kind of a person. There was nothing in David's background that would have indicated that. Yet in a moment's notice, at a thought from the devil into his flesh, he acted upon him. You are one thought away from entering into your flesh. And only you can stay in the realm of the Spirit. God's not doing that for you. That's something that you have to do for yourself. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Now, do we have the abundant life? Everybody say yes. yes. Say, I have the abundant life. And we have the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide us. In John chapter 6, excuse me, I want to go on here in Galatians chapter 5, verse 24. Those who are Christ, can I see the hands of all the people here? You know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, and He lives in your heart. Okay. Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Whose job is it to crucify our flesh? Whose did you say, Bill? Yours. Your job? Your job? Your job. Let's all say it. My job? My job. To, crucify to crucify my flesh. My flesh. Now, I want you to know, now I know, I know this sounds like a silly example, but it is my job to see to it that I don't put beer in my body. I have that ability. Do I have the temptation to drink beer? Yes. We're getting ready to go to Florida again. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's hot down in Florida. <laughs> None of you will be there. God's always going to forgive us, right? I live in the same world you live in. Well, God's going to forgive me for this transgression. Sure he is. But that transgression in the flesh may be the one that takes you out. We have a friend who, I don't know when it happened, but we just heard within the last week, uh, lost his ministry and uh, lost his ministry. Is she okay, Greg? Okay. We need to pray? Well, Father, whatever's going on, just stretch your hands out there toward the bookstore. Whatever's going on back there, we pray for her her mind, her body, or whatever she needs, you know better than we, so we release our faith in Jesus' name. Thanks, honey. <clears throat> Where was it? <laughs> you knew I was lost. You knew I was lost, didn't you? Thank you. <laughs> You're like a cue card. <laughs> we, had a, we had a friend who has a, a huge church in Oklahoma City. 
two or three satellite churches, one of them on the African continent. I didn't realize that. Resigned his ministry, left it. Hopefully he'll be going through a rehabilitation type program for an act of the flesh that apparently was committed. I don't stand in judgment of him, but I do think that every moment we see and encounter can be a teaching moment. And that if you learn from teaching moments, you can grow in those areas of your life. And apparently, in a moment's notice, by taking the thought that he should have taken and then moving forth with the action, everything that he's built up all of his life and felt called of God to do is now in a, a, in a horrible state. I'm sure there's a lot of confusion and there's a lot of evil work going on because of what one person did in the area of their flesh. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, flesh is deadly. That's why it says so much about it in the Bible. If you are in the flesh, you are fulfilling the lust of the flesh. If you are in the spirit, you are bringing the power of God and the abundance and the abundant life into your life. And that's why we have to understand that. Now, in John chapter 16, it, 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 the, the entire chapter is Jesus basically telling us, I'm going away telling the disciples, I'm going away, and it's good for you that I go away, because as I go away, I am going to send the Holy Spirit, and you will have the same power and the same things that I had while I was on this earth to operate in, and that that abundant life is going to be there. Now, don't go to John 16 and say, I can't find any of those words. I am paraphrasing all of this, but I want to share with you what it says in verse number 13. However, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. So what has Jesus done and said? He's basically saying this, the Holy Spirit will show you everything that you need to know. He will show you the future for your life. He'll show you the things to do and not to do. And the power that Jesus walked in, he's going to declare that and give it to each and every one of us. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Now, we know in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, The devil walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may destroy. The devil wants to get you out of the spirit and into the realm of the flesh. And the way he does that is through your sight, through your thoughts, and through your words. And when you see something that is appealing to you, you begin to move toward that. And I know this sounds funny about my situation with beer, but with other people, it may be drugs. It may be sex. It may be all sorts of perversion that tries to get inside of you. But with mine, with, when it was beer, I can still see a Coors commercial on TV when the guy's coming through the mountain to deliver two cold cans of Coors. I can taste that. I know that sounds silly. I can taste that. It's like, whoa, 
Well, the hotter the day, the better the taste. Now, I know I can't go there, but I do have a desire to go there. Does that make sense? In other words, my flesh wants to go there. My spirit says, don't go there. Now I got the popcorn issue. They tell me, <laughs> they tell me my pancreas is not working quite the way it should and that it's going to be okay. They gave me some enzyme, got a little scarring down there, and they say, they say things that like, you may be a candidate for uh, chronic pancreatitis. And I say, no, I'm not a candidate for that whatsoever. <laughs> my pancreas can live a long time with a scar on it, but I don't need any diagnosis like that over me. And they said, okay, but you need to eat different. I said, okay. Popcorn's gone. Now they tell me the hot, spicy Mexican food's gone. This is a bad life. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So the other day, Pam and I go to Little Mexico, and I spice it up, and I have a ball, and I say, hey, I can do that. Till that night came. And then that night said, you really can't do that. And my wife said, you can't do that. You know what? I believe women hear clearly from the Holy Spirit a lot faster than men, and we don't like it at all. But I do believe it's true. But she said, you really don't need to be eating that hot, spicy food. And I said, okay, I've learned my lesson. I'm not going to do it anymore. So now beer's out. We knew that all along. Popcorn's out. Now the hot Mexican food's out. Glory to God. But that's all right. I'm not saying that to make you feel sorry for me. But I am saying this. I have power over my flesh. My flesh is not going to dictate to me. You have power over your flesh. And you may not have a situation about beer, or you may not have a situation about popcorn. You may not have a situation about hot, spicy food. But I guarantee you, there is something in your flesh. Every single person who came out of the world and into the kingdom of God had something in their flesh that attracts you. You stay away from that, and you cast that thing down, because guess where the devil is going to come? He's going to come walking about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he can get to pull right back into the realm of that flesh. It's exactly what happened to our nephew out there in Colorado. And he's coming home. We just don't know what day, but he's coming home. But he's hooked on drugs, but he really isn't hooked on drugs because he knows Jesus. But he likes that stuff. And the reason he likes it, he doesn't understand, is because it's his flesh. And he's got to crucify his flesh. Now, turn to the book of uh, Galatians, back to the book of Galatians, chapter 6, because I want to conclude with this. If you get a revelation of this message, it'll set you free. The devil is not your problem. Certainly, Jesus is not your problem. And certainly, the Holy Spirit is not your problem. The devil is a defeated foe. Everybody say that. Now say it like you mean it. He's a defeated foe. Powers and principalities of the darkness who work for the devil are defeated foes. So when they show up, I think it was Smith Wigglesworth, a book I read from him years ago, a famous evangelist and, and had a tremendous healing ministry from England. And in his book, he woke up in the middle of the night. And when he woke up, the devil was sitting on the edge of the bed. And he looked up and he said, oh, it's just you. And he rolled over and went back to sleep. Uh, I don't know how many believers would have, <laughs> would have awakened, saw the devil there, and went back to sleep. I think they'd have been running out of the house or doing something. But, but that is exactly the position that we should have. We are up against a defeated foe. We walk by faith and not by sight. Well, what does faith say? Faith says we have been given the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and that we have the abundant life. So therefore, when the devil comes knocking, 
to try to get you into the flesh, you refuse to answer that door. Or if you do inadvertently answer that door, cast them out and tell them, I'm not going there. That's not where I'm going. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Now, in Galatians chapter 6, because the real challenge is, who is going to take care of your flesh? And who's going to decide whether you're going to be in the flesh or the spirit? Galatians chapter 6 says this, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So we are going to reap the abundant life because we're going to sow to the Spirit. Can you say amen to that? Now, if we back up to verse 24 and 25 of Galatians chapter 5, we read it earlier. Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. In other words, we're not going to go where the Holy Spirit has told us not to go. We're not going to sow to our flesh. We're going to sow to the Spirit. And then we are going to reap of the Spirit. What are we going to reap? The abundant life. We're going to reap abundance in every area of our life. We are the head, not the tail. We are above and not beneath. All of those scriptures we love to speak are scriptures of the Spirit. And when you speak those scriptures and you begin to live those scriptures and you realize that you're not weird because you have a desire to go to the flesh, but you have to crucify the flesh. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.